News from the John Podcast. Hosted by comedian John Ares. going on everybody it's john Erez, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of the views from the john podcast episode number 77 how's everybody feeling out there how you doing you look good what's that you say i got a problem well do tell sir let me pull up a chair and you tell me what my problem is. That happened to me a couple days ago. You ready? Buckle in for this one, folks. I don't know how I attract psychos into my life, but somehow I do. I am a magnet for psychos and for drama. But I've learned to laugh at the drama and just embrace it as opposed to getting sad and depressed and wanting to climb a clock tower. Instead, I climb up on stage and I grab a microphone and I and I exert the stuff I want to talk about in a healthy manner through the microphone through a comedic lens as opposed to climbing a clock tower. One works out for you, one doesn't. I chose the one that might work out better for me. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right. So I had a dude who doesn't really know me at all. Uh, we're on the phone somehow because we're musicians and we're kind of feeling each other out, you know, like two dogs circling each other in the yard. And then he says to me, he's like, you know what, John, I'm going to do you a favor. He's like, you want to know what your problem is? (laughs) Now, some people might be like, what? You know, and get all pissed off and triggered and be like, F you, buddy. Who do you, who do you think you are to tell me that, you know? And that's what I wanted to say, but I pumped the brakes and I kind of took a sigh and I was like, yeah, let me pull up a chair while you tell me what my problem is, right? And here's what I love even more. I love the fact that this guy had the balls and the tenacity to just just say that to somebody he doesn't even know. If you know what your problem is, buddy, and what I love about it even more is the fact that all the while I'm thinking to myself, has this dude, like, who is this dude to tell anybody what their problem is? A, he doesn't know me, and B, I don't think he's ever looked in a mirror, because if he was to look into a mirror, he's a large, disheveled mess of a person. And it's like, bro, why don't, instead of you worrying about how to fix me, why don't you fix yourself first? Then you can concentrate on it. It's like the guy's got a broken down car, but he's jumping on people's hoods on the highway going, let me fix your car for you. It's like, bro, mine's driving and your shit's broke. So why are you talking shit about my car? So yeah, this dude out of nowhere who doesn't even know me just goes, you want to know what your problem is? And I kind of leaned back and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I think I know what my problems are, but why don't you tell me, sir? Why don't you tell me what my problem is? And this guy starts going down this, these, these lists of problems. And I'm not going to get into the problems. But 
the moral of the story is the majority of the problems he told me I had aren't even problems. I look at them as being attributes. Like, God's honest truth. One of the things he told me was a problem is that I'm too motivated. I was feeling this guy out as a musician because I'm looking to start a project that could possibly become profitable. And when you're looking to start a business with somebody else, you want both parties involved to be motivated, right? Motivated to produce content, to write, to work, to get together, to get shut down, right? But no, this guy wanted to do what Ben Affleck did in Goodwill Hunting. He just wanted to sit back and let, uh, and let the other guy do all the work, right? It's supposed to be that's how it went. One did all the work while the other one sat in the corner and smoked pot. Kind of the same story. So, so, so this guy's basically telling me that like, you know, I'm too driven in this project. I'm like, I'm too into it. Like I'm looking at making this project successful and I'm on like an eight, but this guy's on like a two. So he views that as like me having a problem. And it's like, bro, when is being driven to succeed ever been a problem for somebody? It's like, I'm sorry I'm not a large, lazy bastard with Dorito dust all over my man tits watching Jerry Springer all day. When I set my mind on something, I want to go do it. I don't half-ass anything. Like, how can you take another person seriously that wants to do any kind of business or creative venture with you? That just wants to casually get together like once a month, like, eh, you know, eh, you know? Dude, I'm either all in or I'm all out. I don't like these people that are kind of like lollygagging around. So, yeah, I guess if you're lazy and unmotivated and the person you're trying to do business with is motivated, that's a problem. So he told me what my problem was and evidently I'm too motivated. <laughs> yeah, I'm too motivated, too happy, too outgoing, too into what I do, you know? I'm on an eight, nine, or a 10. And I guess there's some people that just want to be with twos, you know? They want the volume real low. They want to just mellow out. Just be like, bro, whatever happens, man, it's going to happen. Even if we wait one year in between practicing, it's like, all right, man, that's fine. If you know, that's the level you want to go on. So all this stuff, this guy's telling me about are all actually good things, except for him. But in life, it's probably good that you're excessively happy and excessively driven to succeed. I don't view those as bad things. The one, the one thing he did say that I got to give him credit for, but it's not like he's friggin' Einstein here or, you know, Ben Franklin inventing, you know, like the light bulb or, you know, Edison discovering electricity. You know, he told me I swear too much. I got a potty mouth. And I've been told that numerous times in the last year. If any of you have been paying attention, and chances are you probably haven't, I have definitely toned down the drunken sailor vibe. I get it. There's a bunch of reasons I could tell you why my mouth got so pottyish, but you know, I think I atrophied. Being in lockdown for the last year, working kind of on my own from home in the last five, I think my social skills have atrophied with new people I come across. So if I talk like a drunken sailor around my friends and then I meet somebody new and I'm still talking like a drunken sailor, I could see how that could be off-putting.
And I can also see that like when I start a business with somebody and I like want to take it seriously and like do stuff every day with the business and other people are kind of like just wanting to punch the time clock and surf the internet and go home, I could see how that could be a problem. <laughs> oh, it gets worse though, or it gets better depending how you look at it. Then he starts giving me the Jesus rep. This guy's like a born again Christian, hardcore, you know, his preacher's his best friend, which is great, which is great, you know, reminds me of the South Park episode of Boy in a Priest. <laughs> uh, so anyways, evidently this dude has got like a hotline to Jesus and him and Jesus Christ had a conversation about John Ares and he made it this dude's personal mission evidently to save me. Because evidently I got a big sign around me that says save me and only I can't see it. So this guy felt like he was doing me a favor. He's like, John, I'm going to tell you all about what your problems are. And then you and I are going to go study the Bible together and you're going to get right with Jesus. And I'm just like, no, thank you, sir. You know, I'm all set. First of all, how do you know what my relationship is with Jesus? Do you guys have any idea what my relationship is with Jesus? No, you got no idea because you don't talk to him about me and his relationship. You, you know, you got no idea. So when I tell you that I have a good relationship with Jesus, I do. I have no reason to lie to you, but evidently this guy doesn't think so, you know? So yeah. He starts telling me how he wants me to go to Bible class with him and study the Bible. And I'm just like, bro, I'm all set. And then, and then towards the end of the conversation, I mean, I think he really did want to help, but at the same time, I think he also wanted to be a bully and kind of like hurt because seriously, who does that? You know, if your best friend comes up to you and says, Hey bro, I don't mean to be an ass, but like your breath is really kicking. That's a good buddy, right? Somebody who can tell you like it is and like you won't take offense to it. You're like, oh man, thanks. I didn't even notice. You know what I'm saying? But for somebody who doesn't know you to just come out of left field and be like, dude, here's your list of problems. Jesus told me so. And uh, he wants me to fix you. And he wants me to pull you to Bible study. It's like, okay, I respect that as nuts as that is. But when I say no the first time, like no means no. I didn't go like, no, stop it. Tell me more or don't, you know, I was like, no, dude, thank you. I appreciate it, but no, thank you. But then the guy just keeps coming and coming and coming. So after this guy's done drilling me all the while I'm laughing, which I believe is making him upset because like he wanted me to like break down like I'm on like Jerry Springer or whatever and just be like, oh my God, you're right. I am excessively happy. What can Jesus do to cure me? You know, and I was just laughing. I was laughing because I see everything through a comedic lens, which is great. That means even when tragedy strikes, I'm still like thinking of the comedic angles of it because that's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's my way of dealing with stuff. I don't know how you guys deal with stuff. Some people like to, you know, open a bottle of Jack Daniels and a 45 caliber. Me, I like to laugh, you know, which one's going to suit you better. So I'm laughing at this guy who's trying to really trigger me and make me cry. Like, you know, like I'm at, like I'm on intervention and it's not working. And then I'm like, dude, I could literally roast you up and down a hundred ways to Sunday. 
And he's like, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to do that because it's mean. I don't know you. I'm just going to like look at a picture of you. Just like there's somebody walking down the street I don't know, and we get into like a roast battle. I'm just going to look him up and down, and I'm going to start roasting whatever I see on the exterior. But this guy's acting like we've been friends for 30 years, and he knows my inner workings. So I'm like, that's the difference, dude. You don't know me, and I don't know you well enough to be like, you know what your problem is. But I can tell you one problem you got is you're a Bible-thumping bastard that likes to impose your religious will on everybody you come across to the point where it gets overbearing. It's like we need to respect each other's beliefs. And if we differ, just agree to disagree and either part ways with that person or, uh, you know, just accept them for who they are, you know? He thinks I need to be saved by Jesus, and he thinks he's going to be the one that does it. And he evidently knows me well enough to where he's going to save me. And I'm just like, no, no, and no. Thank you. Can we play the guitar? But no, you need to get right with Jesus. And I'm just like, bro, I got to go, man. All the while, I got a buddy here listening to the conversation. He's freaking out, laughing. He can't believe what this guy's doing and what he's saying. And uh, him and this, uh, me and this guy hang up politely enough. I think we both realize at this point that we're just way too different of people. You know, I think he wants me to be like a Christian rock guy. And even though I would consider myself a Christian, I guess, um, I'm not dedicating my life to studying the Bible, bro. And it, it, you know what I'm saying? It's just, let me do me, okay? I didn't get involved in this to have you, like, thump the Bible over my head. I thought we were going to play some music, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, what, you know? It's like the woman last year that I got together with, like, way out in the boonies. That tells me before I start driving to her house that her ex-husband tried to murder her with an acoustic guitar. And that's what I'm coming to her house to do, is bring an acoustic guitar. It's like, what am I supposed to do with that information? You know? I don't know how I attract these people or these things. Or maybe I just truly do not see me the way everybody else looks at me. Maybe I do have a sign hanging around me saying, save me. And uh, I'm just oblivious to it. I don't know. And even if I do have a sign I can't see, you know, just ignore it. I don't need to be saved. I haven't had a lot of people around, as sad as that is, to really help me over the years. Although some of you have. Some of you know you have if you are listening or watching this. But for the most part, I've dealt with the majority of the BS in my life completely on my own. And I consider myself an expert drama handler. I handle drama way better than most people because I'm just immune to it. I've learned how to handle it, especially getting into a comedic mindset where, you know, life throws you a monkey wrench. You can either get upset and cry and give into the pain or you can laugh it off. And that especially works when you're dealing with an a-hole or a bully. That's just trying to get a rise out of you because that's the type of people they are. You know the type of people. There are people that we all know that literally try to trigger anybody they come across because it's funny to them or it's fun. It's very sadistic. It's a very sadistic way to live. And the best way that you can shut those people down 
is by showing them that whatever they're doing or saying isn't bothering you in the least. Then the bomb that they attempted to detonate in your life doesn't go off. But if you're able to somehow laugh at them, like genuinely, at how piss poor their attempt was to blow you up, the bomb ends up exploding in their face. So me and this guy hang up uh, politely enough, but I literally had company here that was waiting for me. And this conversation went on for like three hours. And I let it go on for this long because it was honestly comical to listen to somebody who's got no idea who I really am go on this laundry list of shit that's wrong with me when the majority of the shit that he's saying is wrong with me are all actual positive attributes except if you're this dude. <laughs> I'm still laughing about it. It's insane. So anyways, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Or what would you do if somebody that was an acquaintance or really didn't know you just walked up to you and said, you know what your problem is? I think a lot of us would go, F you. <laughs> what do you mean what my problem is? Why don't you look in the mirror? But me, no, I'm interested because it's content. It's, it's content that I can use on this show. It's real life, people. This really happened. I'm not given any names. I haven't revealed anything. Although the person that was involved, he could be watching and that he might be sitting here watching and going, I was right though. He needs Jesus. I got Jesus, bro. You got no idea. You think you know, but you don't. And it's such a shame too, because this dude really does have a lot of talents. But because of the way he is, a lot of people are never going to see those talents, you know? And I, I kind of view that as being like anti-God. I believe if you're given a God-given talent, like the ability to sing, the ability to play an instrument, the ability to effortlessly make people laugh, the ability to, uh, you know, do anything. If you have an extremely incredible God-gifted talent, but you're lazy with that talent, I view it as you given like God the middle finger. It's a shame that some people have such amazing talent, but they keep it to themselves because they don't want to share, they have an ego, they want control, whatever it might be. It's a tragedy. It really is. It really is a tragedy that some people can't get out of their own way and that they really turn a finger to a talent that God gave them. Yeah, we can all develop the gift of uh, maybe singing or playing an instrument, but some people are just born with it. There are some people like Hendrix, page that can just pick up a guitar without a single lesson and just go, you know? And then there are other people that could pick up the guitar and play for 40 years that can't even play the opening riff to Stairway to Heaven. You know, some people have it and some people don't. And uh, it's a shame when some people have it and they won't share it and they're too caught up in their own self, I guess, to um, combine that special ingredient with something else to make something even more extraordinary. It's really a shame. Uh, moving on, plowing ahead. I was on YouTube the other day, no surprise. YouTube is getting overloaded with commercials. And the crazier thing about YouTube commercials is they're even more crazy than what you would find on, uh, let's say, cable. And this isn't a joke. This product exists. It's called stinky butt cream. 
That's the name of the brand, the company, and what it does. It's a cream if you have a stinky butt. Now, there, I've been thinking about this since I saw that commercial, and um, unfortunately, no, it's not unfortunate. What am I trying to say? Um, stinky butt cream. Have we really reached that place at this point in time where we don't think about being proactive with our lives? Like, there's a million and one things that you could do to prevent a butt from getting to the point where it stinks. But instead of doing any one of those things, we just let our butt get to stinking, and then we need to go out and get a stinky butt cream. I mean, I don't know, man. It's like, doesn't logic and common sense dictate? Or maybe that's something that's really lacking these days. There's ways to prevent your butt from getting stinky without having to go out and get stinky butt cream, dude. It's called showering. It's called wiping better. Um, changing your underwear, changing your pants, better hygiene better diet, maybe losing some weight. Um, any one of those things will, will prevent you from even getting to the point where you need stinky butt cream. I don't know. Is that just nuts? Like, how many times have you guys gotten sunburned? We've all gotten sunburned. And then we need to go out and get after sun lotion, right? or uh, aloe because our skin is burnt to a crisp and now we just increases our we just increases our we just increased our chances of getting skin cancer however we could have avoided getting burnt if we just thought about the consequences of our actions before we just went ahead and did it you know what i'm saying it's like let's say you want to jump into a pond or a river or a lake or an ocean a body of water, but you can't see the bottom. Are you just going to dive in? Or are you the kind of guy that wants to know or says to yourself before you do it, is this deep enough to be dove into? Or do you just dive and take the chance? You know what I'm saying? The whole point is that none of us often enough think about the consequences of our actions, right? I mean, there's some common sense stuff that even some people lack. Like, I would love a bunch of money right now. A bunch of money would solve a lot of my problems. And uh, what's the quickest way and laziest way to get money? Eh, rob a bank. However, I know that there's consequences to robbing a bank. And I know what those consequences happen to be. Therefore, I ain't going to do it. There's plenty of people I would love to punch in the face right now, but there's a consequence to doing that. I'm going to get arrested for assault and maybe sued, right? And I don't want that. There's consequences, right? However, just as deadly as doing one of those things could be, we say and do stuff to each other that could be just as detrimental but yet we don't even put an ounce of thought into what we do or what we say to somebody before we go and say it. 
You know what I'm saying? And everyone's like, well, yes, John, but, you know, people are just always trying to help. Yeah, and let me remind you something, buddies, okay, pals, that the road to hell is paved with the best of intentions. It's like the drunk driver that kills a carload of people on his way home from the bar. He's like, oh, my God, I intended to get home safe. I didn't mean to kill all those people. Is that going to matter? No, only the end result matters. The fact that you killed the people. It doesn't matter that you intended to get them home safe. You didn't. And you didn't put any thought into maybe I shouldn't get behind the wheel drunk. Right? And now you're left with the consequences. My point is, is that certain things we do and say to other people can be just as deadly as if shooting them would be. But we don't shoot people, do we? Because we know what the outcome is going to be if we shoot somebody. However, we might text somebody something that could be just as painful to them as getting shot, but we don't even think twice about it. And that's my point. So my point is, is that I think we all need to start treating each other as though we want to be treated. And I think it would do us all some good if we thought about the ramifications of our actions before we go and make it an action. And that includes random interactions with people in the street, coworkers, family. You never know if you're going to accidentally set a bomb off in somebody's life. For instance, I'm going to give you guys an example. Let's say somebody that you're close to or used to be close to reaches out to you in a desperate cry for help. And you happen to just ignore them. You ghost them because you frankly don't feel like dealing with this person or their drama. And ultimately, your choice to be selfish and not help this person that's reaching out to you for help, ultimately, that could be the butterfly effect that leads to this guy's demise or a real bad time. When if you had just picked up the phone or you were a little nicer to that lady in the grocery store, it might literally change the whole outcome of their life. And I do believe that like uh, when we get judged upon our death, we're going to be shown a highlight reel of all the people that we've ever come across in our lives and how we've affected them negatively or positively. There's domino effects and butterfly effects to everything we do every second of the day. That turn that you made or didn't make. That night that you decided not to go out but did. Or you didn't go out but you should have. Any one of these choices that we make could seriously alter the course of humanity. 10, 20, 30 years down the road without us even knowing it. I believe it's called the butterfly effect. So next time, let's say you're walking down the street and you get into any kind of a situation with another human being. We got two options. We can be nice or we can be a dink. You could be a dink 
to a person and then that person ends up ultimately because of what you guys just did without you even thinking about it that could lead to their eventual collapse whereas if you were maybe excessively nice that could ultimately be the aha moment that tr gets triggered in this person's head that literally changes everything for them. We're never going to know the outcomes of how we affect different people that, we, that come in and out of our lives. But one thing is for certain. If we treat everybody with respect, empathy, compassion, like we want to be treated, then at the end of our life, when we get shown that highlight reel, there's going to be a lot more highlights than lowlights on it. And that is my point. Try, try it right now when you're done watching or listening to this. When you're done, everybody you interact with in the grocery store, getting gas, walking down the street, smile, say hello. If you see somebody in need, help them. Don't turn a blind eye. Call up some people you haven't called in a while. If you're holding any grudges or beef with people, let it go. Start living for now and start thinking about the things that we do and how they can negatively affect other people. Do you want that on your conscious? What if you were to learn today that uh, like three weeks ago, you had a random interaction with somebody in public that you had completely forgotten about where you were kind of a dink and you find out two weeks later that that guy ended up uh, like committing suicide. Would you feel guilty whatsoever? Or would you not care because you didn't know them? And you just go, hey, well, I was just being me. So, you know, whatever. Who cares? Think about it. Think about if, if our actions were held accountable to us for literally everything we've ever done. Would any one of us be free right now or would we all be in jail? Can you imagine if everyone around the world had access to everything you've ever watched online, to every text you've ever sent, to every private conversation you've ever had? How racist, bigoted, and how much of an ass might we all look like? But yet we all come across like we're friggin' perfect and we're not. And that's my point, man. I want all of us to collectively think before we do, and I want us all to collectively also give each other the benefit of the doubt and a little bit of a break. I want us to accept each other for who we are despite our differences. Just literally treat everybody you come across as though you want to be treated because you never know how your interaction with anybody, including somebody close to you, could literally impact their life for the better or for the worse, including letting them know if their butt stinks. We all need a friend in our life that can literally tell us like it is. I got a couple friends that'll tell me like it is, even if it's tough to hear it. I've had other friends in my life that will never tell you like it is. They will never tell you how they really feel about you. And then they'll let all that stuff really brew inside their heart 
for years and years and years, they build up this resentment because they've never talked to you about it. And they build it up until one day they just say, F this guy. I'm going to ghost him. And uh, yeah, I'm currently going through that. There is somebody in my life that has ghosted me for a couple weeks. And um, I can speculate till the cows come home why. But until we talk, if we ever do talk, I'll never quite know what happened. And I look at that as being, pardon my French, the pussy way out. Makes me feel like uh, our whole friendship was just bullshit. Like we're literally going to let whatever this is destroy us. We're not stronger than this. This doesn't mean enough to you to pick up a phone and act like an adult and just squash whatever this beef is. So yeah, that's what we do. We get unhappy with something and we just leave it behind and let other people pick up the mess. And I, and I view that as being so damn selfish. I would never do that to somebody. And you know what this all reminds me of? At the very bottom of my childhood stairs leading down to uh, our bedrooms, there was this uh, poster that would, not a poster, it was like a handmade artwork piece that was on the wall. But it was a quote, and the quote said, Great Indian spirit, grant that I may never criticize my neighbor until I have walked a mile in his moccasins. You guys hear that? Let that, let that sink in. Grant that I will never criticize my neighbor until I have walked a mile in his shoes. We are so quick to judge when we have no idea what it's like to live through that person's eyes that we're judging. We have no idea. We think we do because we all think that we see the world alike, but we don't. And it's always been one of my greatest wishes that like human beings had the capacity to like lay your hand on somebody. And then just for a few minutes, be able to see the world and feel what they're feeling as them. And then we would completely be able to understand each other to a level that we've never been able to before. None of us see the world the same way, which is why we have to have co compassion and empathy for each other and how we see the world, how we act, you know? So anyways, uh, yeah. This podcast started off as comedy and ended up being like a Jerry Springer ending monologue. So I don't know what you would call this, but this has been called the Views from the John podcast, episode 77. I got more random stuff I could ramble about, but I think this is enough for today. Or is it? You want to guys, you guys want to hear more? You want, you guys want to hear even more horse, horse crap real quick. Yeah. I say real quick. Nothing is quick with me. This guy talks too much. Oh my God, the nerve of this guy to talk on a podcast. I tune in to listen to static and all this guy does is talk. Doesn't he ever shut up? We get it, John. Stinky butt cream, okay? We get it. Being told what your problem is, we get it. Uh, there was a couple from Louisville, either Louisville or Louisiana. But are we really gonna split hairs here? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, there was a couple from down there, and uh, they got arrested on arson charges. Innocently enough, once again, they had the best of intentions. They just didn't have half a brain between them. Either that or they just needed to put down the meth pipe. What were they trying to do by setting a bunch of uh, their property on fire and then subsequently burning the whole neighborhood down? They were trying to get rid of a couple snakes in their yard. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Anytime I think about needing to control the snake population around my yard, that's my first instinct on what to do. Just to light a bunch of fires around the yard, let them burn out of control, catch the neighbor's house on fire. Yeah, that's how we control the snake population around here too. There we go. It's a classic example about not thinking before we do. I mean, there's literally a million and one smarter things that you could do to control the snake population in your neighborhood than lighting it on fire. But that's what these people thought was the best idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's some people, you could probably take a hundred different people, maybe two from every different state in the United States, and uh, each ask them, if you have a snake problem in your yard, what do you think is the first and most logical step? What percentage of those people are going to say, to light the yard on fire. And then what percentage of those people are going to be from Kentucky? <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been to Kentucky. I know a couple women from Kentucky. There's gorgeous women in Kentucky. It's I'm just I'm just being a northern tool idiot. You know what I'm saying? I got nothing against the south. It just seems like every funny story of somebody doing something like this has to come out of the south it's usually florida it's usually florida not really kentucky but there's i don't know things are just different in the south i'm from the north i'm sorry i was born here i didn't ask to be i didn't ask to be pasty white i didn't ask to be born into a into a lower to middle class family from the boston area i didn't ask for any of it i was born into it all right so I guess if I was born in the South, I would have a rebel flag hat on and I would be listening to Travis, Travis Tritt or whatever. And uh, I would be lighting snakes on fire. But that's just not how I was raised. Nothing against you guys. I love it. I love it. I would love to light some snakes on fire. It's just not the first thing I would think to do when presented with that kind of problem. <laughs> Here's another thing I wouldn't do. Let's see if you would do it. If you had $688,888 in the bank, would you spend it on artwork? I wouldn't. Maybe you would. But I would not spend $688,000 ever on a piece of artwork. But somebody took it even a step further. They bought a $688,000 piece of artwork that was painted, drum roll please, by a robot. Painting is done. Painting is done. <laughs> so a friggin' robot with a couple electrodes and diodes in its head, you know, takes its robotic arm, takes a couple colors, goes wish, wash, wish on a canvas. Somebody hangs it up on a wall in like New York City in some 
idiot comes through the door and pays $688,000 for that piece of artwork. I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's crazy, but it makes me think like, could I put together some kind of robotic arm and have it paint a couple colors on a canvas and then make 700 grand myself? I don't know. I guess there's a market out there for everything, including train wreck of a podcast, slow motion car crash podcast. <laughs> Anyways, everybody, this has been another wonderful episode of the Views from the John podcast. Tune in next week or the week after or whenever the next episode comes out for more silliness. Uh, in case you haven't, if you could go ahead and hit that like button, maybe hit the thumbs up button, maybe hit the subscribe button, make sure to turn notifications on so when I do drop new content, you're notified of it. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple or Pandora's box, whosever box you're listening from, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way, when new content comes out, you will be the first to know. All right. It was good seeing you guys. It feels good getting back on uh, whatever this is. And uh, yeah, spinning up right now. So it'd be uh, another one of my tracks. I'm always writing tracks. I love music. I love to create. I'm like, God, I'm like, I love to create. I'm so creative. This is a new track spinning up. I hope you guys like it. I hope you guys had liked uh, watching this slow motion car wreck. We'll talk to you guys next week or whenever. Bye-bye. <laughs>